Welcome everyone to Politics Express, the Postwriters Politics Podcast. I'm your host, the Postwriters Politics Editor, Lars Emerson. It's been a while, but this week we are talking about the debt ceiling. What is it? Why does it exist? What's the danger and how do we get out of this impasse? With me today is our movies and TV editor, Chris Chobin, who moonlights as a politics and economics follow. I mean, it was your major. Hey, I've got it in there. Hello, hello, post writer. Uh, always glad to be back on the politics side of things, even if I have dabbled away now that the uh, Trump Meister is gone. <laughs> the Trump Meister. That's a name. There you go. Um, so let's 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 start at the top, Chris, there with with a brief overview of what the debt ceiling is and how it operates. Oh yeah. Uh, and you know, throughout this discussion, we're going to try and keep it pretty evergreen. We're aware there's the Biden McCarthy standoff over the debt ceiling. That's that's a thing. Um, but we'll keep it a little evergreen, just like why we have this, um, and we'll, we'll start to hint about how we feel and uh, how we get out of the debt ceiling impasse. Of course. Let's see. So let's 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 talk about so what is the thoughts. debt ceiling. What is the debt ceiling? Uh, a great question. What a handsome question, Chris. <laughs> so, simply put, the debt ceiling is a borrowing limit that Congress sets for the United States federal government. It has nothing to do with actually authorizing any new spending or appropriating funds anywhere. But we, but we do all treat it as such that it does, even though we haven't actually hit it ever. Yes, yes. We see that big number that says the debt ceiling is you know 20 trillion or 27 trillion or whatever and we're like oh my god the u.s debt is going to hit that we've spent that much money which is true we have over a long time um the you know the treasury department has kind of explained it's like uh the debt uh the debt ceiling exists you know it simply allows the government to finance existing legal obligations that congresses and presidents of both parties have made in the past that's how debt works and the debt ceiling just puts a limit on how much the treasury can do that Mm -hmm. So the original goal in kind of setting that, or at least how it's used to now, uh, is it's supposedly to tamp down Congress's impulses to spend too much. Um, that is an oversimplification that, for reasons we will get into, is incredibly divorced from the reality of government spending overall, and it's why the United States kind of stands out for having this. Um, it's also just raised routinely. You've heard about the debt ceiling throughout your lifetime because it is raised throughout your lifetime. It's every couple of years it comes up. Um, because it is raised and built on an arbitrary limit, which has nothing to do with the actual GDP, say, of a country that might uh, bear it. Or, or indeed, actual spending. It has literally nothing to do with new spending. Raising the debt limit does not mean they are raising the spending. It is just saying, we can now borrow more to pay for the spending we've already done. Mm, fair. Um, Chris and I were talking before the episode. Uh, we, feel, we feel it's important to also uh, address a common misconception and explain what it is definitely not. It is not a government shutdown. Uh, sometimes the two kind of line up and occur at roughly the same time, uh, the 2013 impasse most famously. Um, a shutdown is just when the government like runs out of money. Congress has decided it will not be paying for anything more, so the government stops. And there's, there's at least usually some discussion around there being a pre quo quo yeah. between the two th- ideas, even if it's not necessarily true. Yeah. And, and a shutdown, like, they are bad, but they don't destroy the economy. We've kind of come to accept them, and, like, a shutdown isn't really a shutdown anymore just because so many people, they get back, they end up getting back pay, and, like, a lot of people are essential employees. It's it's a little just kind of a There's so many contractors now. Yeah. It's just kind of like a political maneuver that happens and the world doesn't collapse 
when the government shuts down. Mm-hmm. A debt default is very different from that. Uh, it has really not happened to the extent that we're... It, like, there have been some technical things, I think, in the 70s, but it has really not happened where the government just, like, straight up defaulted on its debt on a massive mm-hmm. scale. It is when the government just is not allowed to borrow any more money, despite the fact that it needs to pay off its debts. Uh, it, you know, if you fail to pay your mortgage payment, you have defaulted on your mortgage payment. Is that same idea, except... Imagine that you have placed a self-imposed limit on yourself saying like, I will only pay $100 on my mortgage payment this month. And then you just don't pay despite having every ability to pay. Well, <laughs> the, the, other, the other half being is uh, unlike if you don't pay your mortgage, there's the bank and the government to deal with. But what happens when the government doesn't pay it, especially the U.S. government? I mean, yeah. we can talk about Greece yeah. and other places that are secondary people that are basically, for all intents and purposes, just incredibly large lenders. But like, yeah. when you are the lender of last resort, what happens when you default? Yeah. So, so Chris, you, you have some thoughts on kind of like how this feels from a Democratic or from a Republican perspective. If mm-hmm. you are a, a Democrat or Republican, why do you feel the way you feel about just mm-hmm. the existence? Like, ignore the current impasse. Mm-hmm. Why? The existence <laughs> of it. No, that, that From a Democratic perspective, it is just haggling over a thing that has already happened. Um, that like we are already doing the spending and that implicit in that we should already be doing this spending. Um, uh, and so all of this is just random quarreling over nothing in a way to get a little bit of spending cuts. But from a Republican perspective, it's a tool to curtail government spending, which is whether they believe it or not, and I think still many of them do believe it, um, a, an inherently bad thing um, that needs to be curtailed down to its bare minimum in that sure... Um, the existence of the debt ceiling would still exist, but that we would be meeting it every five or ten years as opposed to every two uh, or ever, whatever they sort of, however quick we're getting to it now. Um, yeah. So for Republicans, it's kind of a signaling device where it's like, oh, we are about to hit it. Mm-hmm. We're hitting it faster than expected. Mm-hmm. Maybe that should cause us to reassess, even yeah. though they are presumably the ones who have raised the debt limit in the, past. the spending in the past. It wasn't that much like anything within this realpolitik era. When Trump hits it, you don't ask any questions, you raise the debt ceiling. When yeah. Trump's tax cuts make it come quicker, you don't say anything. But as soon as a Democrat gets in office and his in, 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 uh, uh, spending on infrastructure starts to make it, that's when you start to care about that number all of a sudden all over again. That's that um, going to be my follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> so it, is it fair to say that Democrats probably have the more accurate view on this, or this is just kind of a technical thing? Mm-hmm. The, uh, it's, it's That they just routinely in, increase. Uh, I, I think we're in a bit of echo chamber on that one, but I, I, I feel that as well. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, yeah. So we talked about how it is just letting the government borrow what it has already promised to borrow and then pay to just kind of keep the gears turning. And we employ this, but it is true. Like, countries don't have this. The United States is pretty special in this. Mm. It is kind of crazy that a government would handicap itself in this way. What, when was this actually implemented? I don't actually know that. I, I believe it came about, came about in, like, uh, the 30s, 40s uh, with the Public Debt Acts. It hasn't so much been uh, the political boiling point that it is now until the 21st century. It was, as you were sort of saying, just routine. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mostly, I think, after, I guess, in the 30s, but then it's pre... Oh, so it's pre-World War II, post-World War... It's like around World War II. It is is when the United States federal federal 
uh, government debt exploded. That's it. Yeah. Uh, the, because yeah. of uh, the original baby bump that was uh, FDR and the New Deal, yeah. uh, as opposed to the grand gargantuan explosion that was uh, World War II. Right. Um, so we, we've, you know, we've talked about all of that. Isn't this all kind of inherently contradictory that we have this thing? And uh, so Denmark also has a debt ceiling of sorts. But I'm sure. I'm sure it's way less political because it's Denmark. Yes. And. Um, only has this cudgel. Yeah. The, the idea of it being contradictory, like, I, it's silly, but from a realpolitik real perspective, it makes sense, because one of the few things that does not exist in basically any other nation, to the extent it does in America, is that, well, the government should be balancing its books. That, like, everywhere else they seem to understand that government is the, well, because everywhere else that they tax enough that they then that the government then gives back everyone's services, lower, middle class, and upper class, and so that it is this fully functional system, as opposed to an America in which we do not tax enough so that the middle and upper class especially only see the government as a mechanism for taxing them and not as giving them services, even though they almost certainly use government services. Yeah. I mean, don't get me started on, like, permanent <laughs> government debt. I, I could go down a, a Hamiltonian tirade. <laughs> I, I, I think... So, <laughs> We, we, can, we can get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, public debt has... There are reasons public debt of course. can be a good thing. Yes. Um, As an investment in the future. Yeah, in right. the same way that a household goes into debt for it, education. Without going on my tirade, <laughs> people really like to complain about like foreign holdings of U.S. government debt. Mm. First of all, the biggest holder of U.S. government debt is, is not foreign. It is Americans. It's, it's also largely the Federal Reserve. Mm -hmm. Second of all, it's Japan mm -hmm. when you look outside the country. And then it's China. Mm. Do you know who you want holding a trillion dollars of federal government debt? Your enemy. Your enemy, China. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah. this is <laughs> why. Yeah. People think of like, oh, China could call the debt. It's like that's not how debt works. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, and, and even if they could, the, the whole market seems like, oh, well, they're selling for just right. for for profit reasons, and everyone's going to make a, a big, a pretty solid dime off it, and feel right. like it'll probably be a bad day for a day, and then return back to normal. Right. Um, anyway. Yeah. So there are some contradictions here. Those will actually play into some of the solutions, the ways out of uh, oh, yeah. debt ceiling and pass later. So we'll uh, we'll stop there and get to the really dire part about what happens if if a default occurs. So a serious default, we said, has not happened, um, and that's very good. Uh, if a default, uh, sorry, you're good. Are you just highlighting? Yeah, that's okay. my, my paragraph. Uh, if we hit, it, we hit a time when the Treasury Department owes money to someone and it is not legally allowed to borrow any more money to pay them, uh, the U.S. government defaults on its debt and a crisis turns into a catastrophe. For, so for starters, the United States fails to meet its obligations to uh, those who have lended it money. Um, this is just the once again, I keep reiterating this. This is just an obligation the government has already promised it will pay. Um, interest rates obviously would jump up. Uh, interest rates are kind of high already. That creates a lot more debt because now we have to pay a lot more on all of our existing debt. Um, the United States government suddenly goes from being basically the safest investment in the entire world to one that is now actively failing to pay uh, what people have deposited into it. Um, borrowing costs go up. We already have $28 trillion in debt. This adds to that uh, significantly. Um, 
you know, we used to be in a low interest rate world. Mm. Um, we're not anymore. It, mm. they, servicing debt gets expensive, especially when people are like, oh, maybe we should factor in some extra more because there's a chance the U.S. government won't pay. Yeah. And, and for as big as the government debt is, factoring in another tenth of a percent really starts to add up. Right. Um, and that's just like the beginning. So <laughs> the worst would be yet to come, right? So the, the full faith and credit of the largest economy in the world comes into question. Uh, that credit dries up for a nation that holds disproportionate sway in global finance uh, and business uh, globally. You know, the United States dollars, the global reserve currency. Um, in 2011, the last time, uh, one of the last times we faced a big debt limit impasse, uh, the S&P said, quote, the impact of a default by the U.S. government on its debts would be worse than the collapse of Lehman Brothers in 2008. It would devastate markets and the economy. Should a default occur, the resulting sudden unplanned contraction of current spending could see government spending cut by about 4% of annualized GDP. The economy would fall back into a recession. Uh, now, Goldman Sachs economists have estimated that a breach of the debt ceiling would uh, immediately halt about a tenth of U.S. government's, uh, or of U.S. economic activity um, some think tanks think that it could lead to the loss of about 3 million jobs, add $130,000 to the cost of an average 30-year mortgage, and raise interest rates by enough to increase the national debt by almost a trillion more dollars. Um, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> it's well, bad. And I don't know. This, I, I, I think I'm in somewhat agreement, but to sort of red team that argument, but that is just their best guess, that we have never hit this. Um, and it's important to note that during the financial crisis, demand for U.S. bonds went up, even though the U.S. was the core part of that financial crisis, is because no, they had nowhere else to turn. That yeah. As soon as something affected the U.S. economy, it affected the global economy, and therefore we dragged everyone down with us, yeah. and we remained the safest. Um, and now, it, it's not a perfect facsimile because um, that was the U.S. economy doing it, and that the government was already prepped for a bailout, and so the government was the safety, um, but that it does return back to the idea of, okay, the U.S. is now a slightly more risky debtor. Where do they turn? Do they turn to China? Do they turn to Japan? Do they turn to Europe? Um, and even if they do turn to those places, how many, what is the supply of their debt? They have less debt than us. Um, uh, those sorts of things. So that I'm, I'm still wary of it, but that even if it begins to go that direction, we might be better off than we, we think we are. Yeah, I, I guess my, my hesitation is still, like, there's no way it doesn't lead to an increase in interest rates. And yeah, fair. you're just creating more debt. No, I mean, let, me, let me be clear. <laughs> I, it's not good. I guess I'm just being uh, wary of the doomsayers. That uh, it, I think it will only become truly atrocious if it holds over time, if it holds yeah. over a long period. That uh, in, part be, in part, I think, because the world has gotten somewhat used to uh, the... Uh, government shutdowns, which to be fair, is less of a global thing and more of a just U U.S. thing. That that might have sort of uh, prepared them for all of this coming. I, I don't know. I kind of think that the instant um, just spike mm. could create a perpetual sort of cycle down. I mean, like this happens all of a sudden. All of these massive banks have who have billions of dollars of treasuries, their assets are in risk. The interest rate payments. For the government goes up, so interest rates go up. Mm -hmm. The stock market tanks. That creates a negative feedback spiral. Mm -hmm. It just kind of like rolls we, on. We sort of end up with a new Black Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a possibility. I think it's just the... Uh, uh, unlike with Black Tuesday and even the most recent bank runs, and then even 2007, what was the biggest issue? It was a surprise. It's like they did not know it was coming. Yeah. 
and that this has been telegraphed. We know when it's gonna when when it might happen. It's gonna happen then, and that the Fed has been very good about like, hey, we're gonna prepare for this. We're gonna push this direction. Here's when we think it's gonna happen if it does happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And th- that I think will tamp in some things. Yeah. Um, so we've already. Got- our opinions are becoming a little clear, but I have a question here. Is this? Do you think? Do we think this is good that we have this debt ceiling that mm-hmm. almost every country, sorry, no country, has it like we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I <laughs> look. I, I I can't defend it that hard, but I think to like to steel man it. The idea of bounding government spending isn't that crazy, especially as we slowly move into a period in which, especially in developed countries, our population will get smaller, and so as our economies maybe unless we let in immigrants hopefully um uh decreases that like curtailing the bounds of government spending might be necessary to keep future prospects in line but that this is the worst way to do that and i was so i was gonna ask like Mm -hmm. has it worked we've now had this and we've been actively uh the republican party Mm -hmm. or the republican congress Mm -hmm. has been actively like militantly using it to curb spending, mm. spending has not been curbed. <laughs> it's it's been curbed a little bit in in uh, democratic administrations. You, you point out that it is technically the end of the government shutdown is what really caused Obama, but that the debt ceiling was a part of that fight. Uh, that it was the looming target that was always pushed because the debt ceiling or just the government shutdown on its own does suck, but like was always this nebulous idea versus this sort of nuclear bomb going off is what I think maybe scared people a little bit. So- so I guess the other way I'd kind of push back on that mm-hmm. is it, it is often framed as a debate between the president and the Congress, mm-hmm. that all of this authority is with the Congress, right? Mm-hmm. The Congress is the one who has decided to appropriate the money. Like, this mm-hmm. is not, a, it's, you said it's not a surprise, and it's not a surprise. Congress mm-hmm. has said, you have to spend $3 trillion this year. Mm-hmm. The president has to spend $3 trillion that year mm-hmm. on the things the Congress tells it to spend. Mm-hmm. Then Congress the next year, and I understand there's an election in the way, and they just yeah. want to relitigate what the previous Congress did. Yeah. But like, then Congress is just going to say, like, hold on, <laughs> you're going to hit the debt ceiling mm. that, because we made you spend the money. Yeah. Well, that that, <laughs> that that is a very uh, uh, high-minded way of thinking about the U.S. government. That in this day and age, there's no distinction between executive and legislature of only party. That the mm-hmm. uh, the whoever the president is is in charge of their party in the legislature, whether they're the winner or whether the loser. And the job of the uh, Congress is either to cudgel their enemy in the in the White House or to defend their ally. And that is why you see, I don't, one of the things I think people really flip on is that I genuinely believe that Republicans care about the debt. It's just that when a Republican gets in office, they shut up and feel their feelings rather than the other way around and I think that's important to note rather than it being like them breaking out something they don't believe in when the uh, a, a Democrat gets into office yeah so I I, I like to <laughs> I like to talk about just getting rid of the debt ceiling um, can it be eliminated the answer is yes <laughs> much much like with the gun reforms like, well literally every other country did it and they're fine so why don't we do it yeah I uh, if you've listened to the show a lot, you'll know I like to paraphrase uh, one of my go-to favorite movie lines mm. uh, a lot when I'm talking about politics, and that is from Jeffrey Wright's character in the Hunger Games series in the second movie, Catching Fire. Yeah. He just has this line, yeah. or it's like, uh, well, it's, <laughs> I won't go human, into it. Human man wrote it, it's it like into basically law. Basically, like, yeah. In this case, the debt ceiling was written into law by man, therefore it can be unwritten Indeed. by man. <laughs> Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. Right. Um, it's also been. You know, we have superseded it before. We basically said we're not going to have a debt ceiling mm. for the last year of the Trump administration during COVID. 
uh, when there was a Democratic House and a Republican president. Mm-hmm. Um, there, Dem- Democrats are unwilling to shut down the government, even if it would make a, a Republican look bad because yeah. they believe in the government. Yeah. Um, there are some other ideas out there for how to like keep it on the books, but effectively get rid of it, including mm-hmm. just raising it to an infinitely high number, mm-hmm. like saying like the death ceiling is now a Googleplex. <laughs> Which, like, at that point, why not just get rid of it? I don't know. <laughs> because, because the question is, will it be popular? That, like, if, if the Democrats are going to be the ones to get rid of it. Like, maybe Republicans yeah. will, but that's yeah. certainly not going to happen. In part because they know the Democrats will probably want to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, that it will look bad. And will that really matter? They should probably just get rid of it and defend it. Um, but, like, really, my thinking would be to track it to the size of the U.S. GDP, that like that will make it raise naturally over time, uh, and then you have some limits of oh, in case there's a recession this big, that it doesn't it doesn't mess everything up. Like if another Great Depression happens, like we'll, mm-hmm. we will have defense. But then again, we've already shown that you can suspend it, and so they would just suspend it naturally in that case. Um, well, <laughs> hopefully we, we we hope they would unless we get another Hoover in there. <laughs> um, uh, so that that would be my distinction of a, a way to make it more realistic, but also not make it a problem anymore. But given a given a yes or no choice, oh. you have you have a majority in Congress and yeah. you are president. Yeah, rip that sucker out. Okay, <laughs> yeah. it's it's just that it, it's how much political capital do you want to waste on getting rid of the debt ceiling? Which I mean, it's yeah. not none, but like. And you you have to accept that once you do that, the other party very wrongly is going to say, "Look at them; they just spent infinite dollars." Yeah, yeah. That they if, if you. <laughs> That the we have a system in which people do not understand, and then turn around and say, yeah. "Why did they not understand it?" Well, it's because we didn't teach them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you know. I I'd agree. I'd rip it out. I think that's pretty pretty clear how I feel. Mm-hmm. I I would say almost every economist in the world agrees. Most political scientists agree. It's just like a bad. It's just bad. It creates bad political incentives. Mm-hmm. It encourages a really dangerous thing to happen. And especially as the U.S. government gets more militant with the tools of its government. Mm-hmm. Um, it, will, it will probably be more and more likely to be used. Right. And it's just dangerous. Almost certainly. Um, on that note, before we talk about how to get out of this, <laughs> we will take a commercial break. If you're a fan of the Postwriters articles, podcasts, and projects... Be sure to sign up for our newsletter. It's a once-a-week digest of everything we've worked on, what the site is up to, and other things we'd recommend each Monday. We don't believe in subjecting you to daily, annoying emails, but we do believe in keeping our most passionate and loyal supporters in the loop on what we've been up to. We know how inconvenient and annoying it is to have your inbox flooded with constant reminders and useless material. That's why we run a curated weekly newsletter that gives you a -a once-a-week scoop. New subscribers help us know how many people are reading and listening to our work and want to hear more from us. So go to thepostwriter.com slash newsletter to sign up now. And we're back. <laughs> Thanks for joining us during that thrilling commercial break. So let's talk about how we get out of this, Chris. There are a number of off-ramps to the debt ceiling crisis other than just eliminating it. What are the other <laughs> options, Lars? Um... So I'd like to start with, I think, my favorite one. This yeah. is the one... I'm it's a classic. I'm currently in con law, mm. so I'm, like, a little obsessed with this one. Mm. That's constitutional law, for those of you <laughs> wondering. Um, and that is just ignore it. Just completely ignore that it exists. Um, we talked about the contradiction inherent in the debt ceiling mm-hmm. just situation, right? The Constitution gives the Congress, and only the Congress, the power to determine spending. 
It mm-hmm. mandates that the president then do the spending that Congress tells it to spend mm-hmm. uh, and where Congress tells it to spend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Congress has placed another legislative limit saying like, hey, we told you to spend all this money, um, but you can't borrow anymore to spend the money we've already told you you have to spend. Otherwise, you're not doing president job. You're not being the president. Um, so this creates, uh, you can't have all three of those, right? Yeah. One of those has to give. And the obvious one is the one that's not in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So that is just, um, the president says, like, this is incompatible. Congress has ordered me to spend this money. Mm. I have to spend this money. Gotcha. <laughs> and that that it certainly helps that the uh, he is in charge of the Federal Reserve, which is some of the other solutions to this. Well, the president is not. You, you are correct that he uh, it is an independent body which he places the head of. That uh, especially in terms of crisis, tends to listen and advise very closely. Yeah. Um, I guess the problem with this one is it would require Congress to be make sense, and that whenever it. Whenever Congress is willing to ignore it, they don't have to ignore it. They can pass it. Uh, they can pass legislation to raise the debt ceiling. And whenever they would not like to ignore it, they or would not like to pass it, they would also not like to ignore it. And so it's sort of inherently contradictory within itself. But if it's the president just unilaterally... Because the president... Deciding. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess that is, um, that is my counter-argument. Is the president is literally just saying, like, I have this bill from or this law from last year. Yeah. Congress ordered me to spend all this money. So I will money. spend this money. I'm spending the money. It it I is have the question. No other choice. Can, can because especially nowadays that uh, the Republicans do not control the entire Congress, um, uh, totally, will they actually be able to do anything about it? And uh, I I don't know. Well, and, yeah. and that's the kind of thing. It's like what happens if the president like <laughs> yeah. what happens if the president does this? Does mm-hmm. the Congress say like? We're going to impeach you for violating the law. Mm. I don't think it's a criminal offense. I mm-hmm. think you can impeach them for less than criminal offense. Yeah. Um, but it's also... I, mm. I, <laughs> I, I would not be surprised. The, the other thing I think maybe we're not taking into account is the idea that the, the bureaucrats who actually have to mandate this in place might be wary to endanger their jobs or to go against the law. Now, in this way, in this mechanism, it feels like there's not going to be that strong an emotion so that they're probably going to be likely to implement it, but that you do start to run into the deep state, as Trump sort of put it, that like as soon as he starts trying to implement things that are actively unconstitutional, that you do get a bit of a pushback that direction. I, I guess, but I kind of think the buck stops with two officials, the president and the treasury secretary, because mm-hmm. the, they're the two who are going to be like, we're just... One tells to spend the money, one right. finds the money. Yeah. No, I, I and, can't disagree. I, and you can keep making arguments about mm-hmm. this. You could keep saying, like, the president could just come out and say, like, mm-hmm. Congress told me to spend $3 trillion on all of these programs. Explain, like, why those programs are good, of course. Do the yeah, political sure, sure. thing. Then say, Congress has passed bills only allowing $2 trillion of taxes to be raised. Mm-hmm. That means we have no other choice but to take out a trillion dollars of debt. Mm-hmm. But now Congress says I'm not allowed to take out that debt despite giving me a budget imbalance. Mm. I'm going to say that that like I yes. can't do that. You you are a fight with an inherent contradiction and similar to Lincoln during the uh, uh, Civil War that you suspend one thing in order to uphold the other. Right. Um, 
so that's like the philosophical that's like the founding farmer founding Founding father's way out uh founding farmers is a restaurant um there's a literal part of the constitution that offers another alternative which i actually dislike i I don't like this version as much it's because you're not enough of an academic i guess Uh, um so the 14th Amendment of the Constitution declares that the validity of the public debt of the United States, authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion, shall not be questioned. Uh, academics, as you uh, implied, Chris, or outright stated, they really like this option. Um, I think it's pretty limited to academics. Of note, uh, when the Obama administration was dealing with the debt limit impasse, they like really soured on this option. They were like, we're not going to use this option. Mm-hmm. And I don't really understand. I think it has to do with like the original intent of the amendment was very clearly like the civil war. And yeah. it's trying to make sure that the problem states <laughs> weren't uh, trying to rise again and destroy the debt. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that the, the, uh, and I think this is an interesting distinction between Republican and democratic. And we first, like the, for example, the Second Amendment, as we interpret it now, is a fundamental change to how we interpret it historically, and that that has been a slow change over decades. So that I, if this being whipped out willy-nilly, I think it's nothing, but that if someone sat down and made a constitutional devotion and sort of pushed that direction, but that usually democratic lawyers are not very focused on the monetary side of things mm. because it is just more spending uh, as opposed to Republican... I mean, even Republican lawyers are not very focused on that. It's it's just sort of a secondary topic because it doesn't get the blood boiling quite as much. Yeah, I, I kind of think this works best as a, like, kitchen sink approach mm-hmm. where it's like... The, the, it, say, it says it right there. The, we the, can do it. Right. The yeah. president gets up and it's like, for all of these reasons, yeah. including this one that literally says it... Yeah. Literally in parentheses, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, we're just not going to yeah. do if, the debt ceiling. If we're, if we're allowed to mess with it in this case, we should always be allowed to mess with right. it, et cetera, right. et cetera. Right. Um, so, so that's that option. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, then there's that, the trillion-dollar coin. I really love this one. I, you would. Yeah, it yeah. is the most fun one. Yeah. Um, would, would you like to explain it, or do you want me to? Oh, go for it. Okay. You said you love it. So, so the gist is there is a law... Um, I believe from the 90s, which allows the United States Mint, uh, which is obviously under the executive branch uh, and fully under the Treasury Secretary's discretion, to mint a coin at such specifications, designs, varieties, quantities, denominations, and inscriptions as the Secretary uh, decides. Hmm. So the idea is you have the President ask the Treasury Secretary to mint a trillion dollar or a $500 billion or whatever size Mm -hmm. coin you need. And then you just like drive it from the mint to the Federal Reserve and put it in the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, the upsides to this are very obvious. You're not actually issuing any new debt, and thus you are not violating the debt limit. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just like reducing how much you owe. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the downsides are inflation. You're just adding a potentially trillion dollars into a bank account, mm-hmm. um, and it you know kind of threatens the independence of the central bank a little i don't know i the, the independence of the central bank i guess it, 
it, as as you've stated in this, that she's not she's saying she will not do this right now. Yeah. And that this will only certainly happen if this gets to a breaking point where she has to decide between the stability of the U.S. economy or minting this coin. And that it is that the minting of this coin only stays safe so long as her independence remains safe. And the, the knowledge that she's not going to go out spending that on a day-to-day basis. And that this doesn't need to be spent on a day-to-day basis. That, like, if this was, if we were Greece and they were just printing money, immediately that money becomes worthless because they don't trust the government to right, spend it right. correctly and all that sort of thing. Right. But that if, if we know this is just a way to get around a dumb thing... And it's only going to sit there as long as they need this dumb thing to be done. Yeah. That, as long as that holds, as long as the trust in the independence and uh, forthrightness of the Federal Reserve holds, this will be a functional system. And uh, yeah, I mean, if whenever the Congress decides to raise the debt ceiling, I keep saying the Congress. I very <laughs> clearly just been reading too much. Of there you go. You get, you're being prepared. Not not a um, Congress. The yeah, Congress. The Congress. Yeah. Um, Whenever they decide to raise the debt ceiling, I guess they could just like go get it back from the Fed. Yeah, um, and go destroy it or just yeah. put it put it away back in the mints because it's no until it's made next time, and it'll be a weird display piece that everyone's like, oh, it's really. Yeah. I like put it in a museum. It's, it'll awesome. start making money immediately because everyone will go to see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the thing with this one is, it's I think it's pretty like there are not a lot of counter arguments against it legally. It is pretty clearly legal. It is just so silly. Mm. It is the most ridiculous way to get out I, of such I think a serious the, thing. The one counter is probably that it, that was not what was intended. Like that Congress... The bill is very broad. I, I agree the bill <laughs> is very broad in part because they did not suspect this would happen. That they were like, well, whatever you need to do to, to make the money as we saw fit. Even though, I guess they kind of tr- trusted the Federal Reserve to just do whatever they want. Not literally, but like pretty broadly. Um, like they, they, they just didn't think that you could mint a coin that was that different. Um, and I guess they did they did mint the million dollar bills or whatever to send out to the, the other Federal Reserves, right? Or some big, huge oh, denomination yeah. dollar bill. But that, that those were internal to the system, so I guess it didn't matter as much. As this would be. I, this I is guess. just keeping the wheels of government, the turning. government turning. There you go. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. if this is the way that we get out of this, yeah. like we're a joke. Like that's a joke. Look, look, <laughs> I, I, I've been thinking more and more as of late that uh, absurdity and uh, like importance are not in contradiction to each other. That so often the silly, the things that we do to make this all work are silly a little bit, uh, and that if this is the best option, that the least people get angry about, and that is is weirdly Byzantine enough for to counter the Byzantine confusion of the debt ceiling itself. It's what needs to happen. Um, the question is, will it be popular? And I think there's a way this could really be popular. Like you, you do it on the green. You you make sure that everyone knows it's not going to get spent in any weird way, and that it will be destroyed as or it will be destroyed or put away as quickly as possible. Like that you contain it to that moment. Um, but I think this is probably the best solution, especially that if they really put a gun to their head and be like, if you're going to do this, we're just going to do this, and you, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, yeah. I mean, Congress could. Pass a bill to close the loophole. And they they would need both houses of Congress, so we we're, we're at least good for this time. Um, I I kind of I feel like if you made like a big show about it, like mm-hmm. if it's like mm-hmm. they literally like dr- like the cameras are following the, the coin driving it to the Federal Reserve <laughs> yeah, like yeah. across the street. Look look at what they yeah. have made us do. They have made us make this coin <laughs> for this stupid reason. Um, as, as you said, Chris. So of, of note, Treasury Secretary Yellen has said that. Uh, this she is not really considering this on the table mm-hmm. as an option. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and until it's a problem, which is not not literally what you've said, but that yeah. seems to always be what happens. Like there's never there's you don't need a bailout until it's a problem. I guess why is this? Other than it seems less, it seems like less norm busting than mm-hmm. the president just saying like this is debt ceiling is illegal. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, why is this better than the constitutional options? Mm. Well, the, the first constitutional option is it does not require the actions of Congress, which uh, whenever the debt ceiling is going to be a problem, uh, it does not require Congress to act, which is almost always the issue when the debt ceiling comes up is that the Congress is in gridlock of some type. Yeah. It is a purely executive action. Um, and that it's the, the only time you're ever really going to really have this things, unless the Democratic Party really changes overnight, is when there's a... Republican-ish or a mixed Congress and a Democratic president and a Democratic president will be willing to do this. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, uh, I must admit, I'm, I'm a very real politique. From a pure legislative it's not no, legal. I, yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Uh-huh. Um, all right, let's do the boring, the boring solutions. The, the things that will probably actually happen because we're not going to probably hit the debt ceiling but is the fickle <laughs> stuff that will just stop us from hitting it quite as quickly. Yes. As, and that is... Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because these aren't so much outs as they are just ways to continue trying to keep the clock going. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this is yet another reason why I think it's probably not going to be as bad because the Fed will start doing these things and be like, hey, by the way, we're only changing the clock a couple months uh, and that'll slowly sort of peak up to that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Treasury so, will start doing this. Treasury, things. my apologies. Yeah. Um, these are all like accounting tricks, really. So there's the there are bonds that the government issued when interest rates were low that the government that are now in the secondary market that the government could just buy back and then issue at the new higher interest rates to get more money <laughs> that is so like stupid just but classic arbitrage buy a little time doing that yeah, yeah. um the government could also issue what are called console um console bonds which is more of a thing in the united kingdom huh. um which basically they uh they have no principle they just give interest payments indefinitely um so technically the debt they don't raise the debt ceiling at all mm-hmm. it's kind of like if the government sold property interesting and then you and then paid you it's, this, it's this, very this, strange this is some 18th century shit it right? is, it yeah, really yeah, is. yeah yeah um it's, oh shit well the 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 crown has run out of land to sell so just print off pieces of paper right to sell right them. it's like everyone who holds a piece of paper is going to get a pound every month <laughs> um yeah, I it's it's uh, doesn't add to the debt limit. Uh, they're just creating an obligation to pay interest indefinitely, uh, but not technically adding to the debt. I think that is a little bit of a red flag for me too. Mm. <laughs> just indefinite spending yeah. forever on a on a fixed amount of money you're receiving, which technically you you could uh, you will probably gain money back either through spending that money effectively on someone or something. Or just putting it in the bank and having that gain interest, but yeah, yeah, it's probably not great. I also, I, I, I do not know enough about these as to the legality. I don't know if Congress would have to pass a bill to make these legal. I don't know if the Treasury Secretary could just say this is a new debt we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, don't know like, do they ever go away? I, I really would want to know more about the logistics here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, and then there is we've talked a lot about the Federal Reserve. Uh, there's an option with the Federal Reserve. So routinely the Federal Reserve, which holds a bunch of government debt, like we've said, um, they will give the Treasury uh, the income from the interest payments that the Fed has on its balance sheet. This is usually billions of dollars, like $100 billion. 
Um, the idea is that the Fed just pays in advance, and this is another way to buy the government some time, add some additional runway. It's not, it would be strange, but it is the government asking its bank to give them an advance on a payment. Um, One of those things that is probably going to happen has not yet, not yet, we've, we've never had to do this before, right? I, they just like, they accumulate enough interest and they pay the government. Well, but the, we have not either between the debt ceiling oh, stuff no. or that we've not done this before. No, this not, yeah, and this seems like a ceiling. secondary thing of like after we've done our bond trickery that you do that right. real quick and right. make a difference. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know. No. Those last two aren't really outs. They're just ways to keep kicking the can this down can. the road that we're almost certainly more likely to see. That yeah. like so if if you're actually scared about this, guys, unless you see one of these two yellow flags prick up, don't don't be too scared because. Uh, that means we haven't actually, even as we approach the debt limit as it currently is and the current timeline, that that timeline can be changed by people at will that would like it to be changed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's important to know. Um, any any other ways out of this that you, you'd like to discuss? I, I think the only one, as I sort of discussed a little bit before, is to change it. Obviously, you can just get rid of it. But I think the most palatable way to make this not a problem is to either track it to inflation or track it to the US GDP, or to track it to both. Um, to make it an actual moving debt limit that is basically a percentage quantity of the sort of GDP to debt ratio that might actually be a healthy bar, um, as opposed to just this arbitrary thing you have to track every now and then. So you'd, you'd as the Biden administration, you'd go to Kevin McCarthy and be like, okay, we have obviously we have to raise the debt limit. Mm -hmm. That's gonna be really bad if we don't. Hmm. We're willing to put on the table, like, there's never going to be a number, but it's mm. going to be pegged to U.S. GDP. Mm. And, and that really, that he'll he'll know what this is. He'll know that this is going to get rid of this thing yeah. that they get used to, so you're probably going to have to take some budget cuts in order to make this happen. Yeah. But that as soon as you make it happen, I think it will be unpalatable for a Republican Congress to change it back. Interesting. Um, may, maybe they will. Maybe they just get a... The, 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 tur the turtle gets in there and just cuts it back and says, well, this is how it used to be before this, this asshole got in and did it. But then that seems less likely. Did you come up with this idea? I've been thinking on it. Okay. Yeah. I, I've never heard of this. It's not really a solution. It's just a, mm. it's a compromise. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard of this. Yeah. Interesting. It, yeah. And to be fair, I think that it's also, it, it, it makes it stop mattering as much. That like, mm. we, I, I, our, jet, our debt to GDP ratio, has that been changing that much? Um, I think it's been increasing slowly over time, especially I mean, as the baby boomers retire. But like, well, during the pandemic, yeah, increased. totally, totally. Uh, and that, that that is always the problem that like the GDP ratio rises during a crisis and then never falls again. Right. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think that that is a viable way to have the core heart of what Republicans are wishing for exist, um, and that Democrats should probably have, especially as the times change and America becomes. Un not unstoppable anymore and not young anymore um, but that still makes it a reasonable thing that is not going to screw us every few years I like it yeah. it's, it's, uh, I like a compromise yeah yeah it's, um, it's, yeah now to be yeah. say this is just from a realpolitik perspective it really yeah. really could I guess tear it out yeah <laughs> we could just have reasonable people doing reasonable government yeah um well, thank you, Chris. We we will end our episode yeah, with our in our lifetime for this week. Yeah. It's very yeah, on the nose. I, I, have, I have a little fun one after one. Oh, so yeah, I'll, I'll catch I'll, you off guard. Yeah, we'll okay. we'll start with this one. I like this. Um, we'll, we'll end a little happier. Very obvious, given uh -huh. the subject matter of this episode. But do you think in our lifetimes the United States will 
default on its debt obligations. I so, yes, that I I think that. So to be clear, uh, I'm saying like the president's not declaring it. Like mm-hmm. the president is just like saying, "Don't pay the debt right now. I, We're defaulting." I think that it's it's we have a fully Republican Congress, like in some time in the near future, in which we have a fully Republican Congress and a Democratic president. Um, who probably got hammered in the midterms to make that Congress become full Republican again, um, and that for one reason or another just can't have the system, uses as many of the federal tricks as they can, but that Congress comes back and curtails him, eventually, or them, um, eventually their hands are tied, and the debt ceiling sort of gets hit, and everyone goes a little crazy, not too much happens, but everyone says, oh, if you keep letting this happen, Congress, the shit will hit the fan and we will blame you. And they start to he- start hearing about it, and then that gets pulled back. Uh, and that Congress raises it and does it. But I think that there will be at some point enough Freedom House Caucus people mm-hmm. to make it not possible, and that it will tip over that edge. And finally, eventually enough of them will pull back from the brink. But that there will be sort of a Sputnik moment in which it actually happens, uh, yeah. even if it doesn't mean the totality of what people think it's going to happen. So where the president will not invoke any part of the Constitution, they will just let the debt... I That... Eventually, the federal government is set up that Congress has the purse strings. For as many as they can pull, for as much as the U.S. Uh, uh, the president can do, all of the mechanisms we are talking about working only really work if there is a divided Congress. Fully work if there's a divided Congress. If there is a Congress lockstep against the executive branch, all of the things you say come into play. That the legislature has power over the purse. That the House has power over the purse. Yeah, and the those things start to matter. Sure, and right. Are, do they have a uh, a veto-proof majority? Probably not, uh, especially in the Senate. But that I think it becomes then becomes enough of an issue that you have a full part of the uh, U.S. government saying no. What you are doing is illegal and wrong, and that's when you start to have people in the government say, mm, "Can I spend this money? Will I lose my job?" You're never mm-hmm. sure. I, I, I mean, I'm going to agree. I, mm-hmm. I think... But, but uh, what are the circumstances? Yeah, what are things that happen? I, I wrote a piece, I mean, this was two years ago, mm-hmm. um, about the debt limit and why it is bad and why mm-hmm. it is dangerous. Um, and I kind of ended that with, like, moving into the, just, you know, the more political, big picture look. And it's like, it is very clear that the U.S. has continued marching down this path of, like, we will use every arsenal... At the government's disposal to destroy the other party, and I, I, I place most of this uh, with Republicans. I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. I think it's very clear Republicans are much more willing to throw out the, <laughs> the norms of our political system and like, use the tools of government against their opponents, uh, in a way that Democrats have not usually been willing to do, mm-hmm. um, at least not recently. Uh, and I think that makes it kind of inevitable that they will just be like, you know what? You want to have the government go into a recession under your watch? Be my guest, Joe mm-hmm. Biden, mm-hmm. or whoever is president down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of think, the, I, I don't know. I, I really, I like all the constitutional outs. I like the coin. Um, but I, I think it could just get so vitriolic that the president also thinks like, no, you're the ones who's going to be blamed for this. Yeah. And it, I, I don't be, know that that's correct. But that, that that it's... They always think, and especially that in the framing, and especially even coming up to the uh, the government shutdowns, you can yeah. see more and more that I think Democratic presidents have gotten better about framing it as 
this is what the they are doing this to us. That, yeah. that yeah. early on that it was they didn't say anything or that they were really casual about it and then it got blamed on the president. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I think Obama really pulled that ripcord. It's like, oh no, I'm getting blamed for this shit. I'm, I, got, I caught myself over a barrel. But now Biden, I think, has done a little bit better towards framing it towards they are doing they are doing this to us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I, I don't know how much that actually works, but I think it is working a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for as much as everything does, everything we say, that people track the economy, people track what happens, and then they blame the president. In the same way... Back in the medieval times, no matter what happened, you blamed God. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your mini question? This is a, this is a little fun one. Uh, if they make the trillion dollar coin, what do you think they will put on it? And then I'll answer for us to give you a little bit of time to think. Uh, that my, my first uh, answer, just because I think it would be hilarious, is just Janet Yellen. Like just well, Janet so Yellen. you can't. So it's actually oh. against the law to put a living person on a coin. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Oh, oh, this makes my other answers at least good. That uh, either the what, what would be the best Fed chair to put on it? Like, would you put? Uh, like well, the first want to chair. put Ben Bernanke, but he's also still he's alive. He's still alive, yeah, yeah. But I don't think you want to put any of the first ones. Oh, oh the OGs? Were they not, they were not fun? They like, wait, wait, wait hey, Hamilton! Like... Oh, you oh, put Hamilton on. Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. Hamilton. He's already uh, on what, the 10, but... Who, okay. Were there any fun ones during like World War II that were like good people or like people well-remembered? Well no, because we still can't... Well, we didn't have the gold standard for that mm-hmm. anymore, but like... They, they were still like old funny daddies? Not really. Gotcha, gotcha. But who I, who I think... Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Yes, uh, Paul Volcker. Volcker, yeah, 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 yeah. The Volcker rule. I, I think he uh, he died... <laughs> Eventually. Uh, not... Uh, not long ago. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, it's um, only been a little while. But the, the, uh, the one that I think would actually be the best uh, is that you you reveal it, and it's, a gli- it's in a giant glass jar... Uh, and inside the glass jar is the trillion dollar coin, which is a picture of Maynard Keynes on it. <laughs> oh, that's good too. Yeah, <laughs> Keynes, Keynes would be. Or like, honestly, I because I'm assuming this happens under a Democratic president. Uh-huh. Like, put Reagan on it. Like, uh-huh. Really, really, just, <laughs> just drive this home. Ooh. Oh no, because he's still alive. Damn. Put like the Republican president that mm-hmm. increased once again. This was the Congress that increased the debt, not the president. Mm-hmm. But like the Republican president that allowed the debt to be the increased the most. Under the, so like Bush, Reagan, Trump. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. They're like all three yeah. of them. <laughs> you can, if you put them together, like an Mount Rushmore of the coin. <laughs> of just all the living ones. He's Reagan's not. I don't know. He, he's in a bunker somewhere. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. They, they took his brain. That's why he couldn't remember the last few years. No, um, I won't say that. Don't joke about it. I, that's a good question. I, I like that question. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll let you simmer on it, or um, you, you gave your. I kind, I kind of Volker's good. Mm-hmm. I really do like the idea of putting like Reagan on it. Though. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think that like, just, well, he he did the most. He, yeah. he did. He liked a lot of debt. He's part of the reason we are here. <laughs> it's, he's, he, he he cut taxes and destroyed the, the many of the state, <laughs> but not enough because there was there was still too much spending that we liked. Yeah. Oh goodness. Um. Well. Great. We will end with that. Thank you for listening, everyone. Be sure to reach out to us on Twitter. You can find and follow us at The Post Writer or email us at our email address, contact at thepostwriter.com. We love hearing from you. Uh, come chat with us. Tell us how you would get out of the debt ceiling <laughs> uh, debacle. Tell us who you'd put on the trillion dollar coin. Ooh, um, those answers. <laughs> uh, or suggest some other things for us uh, to talk about. We're a Post Writer podcast brought to you by thepostwriter.com. You can check out the stuff we work on, things we've written, our other podcasts, and more over there. Uh, and thank you uh, to Chris for joining, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. A pleasure as always.